0: This is episode 49 of The Modern Recordist, the podcast where we talk all about designing and living your life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we sit down with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to learn exactly what we have to do and who we have to be to create meaning and live out our artistic visions. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer, recording engineer, and mixing engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artistic visionary in my own right. And I welcome you to episode 49 of The Modern Recordist. Today, I'm excited to be back with an in-studio guest. I have a critically acclaimed recording and touring artist, who's uh, set to release his new album, I'm Giving Up on Rock and Roll, on May 13th. He's been hailed as one of Iowa's most promising exports by Daytrotter. Vice said every song has a melancholy punch. Every song is just plain catchy. And he even got the attention of a pretty legit rocker, Mr. Ryan Adams, who simply said, Christopher the Conquered is the real deal. Fresh off a European tour, he's been playing a few more dates, State Sign and... Finished out his tour last night with a show in Nashville. Friends and modern recordists, please welcome to the podcast. Playing us in with his song, I Guess My Heart Is Out of Tune Again, Christopher the Conquered.
1: come out Seen the steps to the church Must be broken Cause I've not seen a soul Come down And I I said, hey, do you still have that key? He said, you know I haven't had a mind for that thing, oh, since you took it up on yourself to walk out on me. So I cried out, please, oh, oh, master, please could you check all your cupboards and check all your drawers for me he said so So I set down the receiver and I let my hands, all my hands, cover my face. cried out, you knew I could never be a believer, so why you gotta let a man like that have a run others' Mm place? And she opened up light and she said, you can call back your master. Oh, you can call him right up and you can give him this message from me. tell him Oh tell him that it's you my Lord who will never be free No you ain't ever even gonna know what free means and heaven will be the land For the genie?
0: Christopher the Conquered. Awesome, hey, dude. How you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for uh... having me here. Yeah, dude. Thanks for coming in. This is great. This is awesome. We're uh, actually uh, recording the show uh, remotely. Um, this is the first time I've ever had a guest on the show at at my home, actually. Yeah, we're not in Glass Yeah, yeah, not at Glassonia today. today. Uh, JD's got a mixed project going on over there, so um yeah we're drinking
2: coffee yeah we're this is actually hanging out in your house it's killer it's quite cozy (laughs) and you know i i appreciate this too because i don't really know nashville too well i'm from iowa like you mentioned and i uh uh, i spent a bit more time in memphis because that's where i made my new album but nashville i've only played here like twice ever uh in the last few months and i have a few friends here and i'm making friends yeah Um, man but yeah so i appreciate getting to meet meet you and and get down in the see how the locals live yeah man <laughs> <laughs> behind the doors. well you know it's kind of it's funny
0: um you know like the real kind of i think the experience in terms of like you know art and music and and all that kind of like in nashville is more to this is sort of not really in the center of all of that it's sort of we're, at, we're out in sort of suburb, <laughs> yeah. suburb land here but yeah i in any case it's uh i think it's like housewives walking their dogs all day as opposed to you know like east nashville I wouldn't get any
2: work done out of here with all those housewives walking around yeah right around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> over at the uh over at the pool sunbathing and yeah, stuff yeah yeah but cool man no i really i'm glad that you dropped in and um it's 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 awesome to have you on on the show today man and uh, i've been already enjoying really enjoying vibing with you as uh, we kind of just connected on things before we turn on the mics and um, you know the tunes you're playing are are, are awesome, dude. I was really yeah, so. Nice. Uh, I guess my heart is out of tune again. That's the first yeah, song. That's yeah, yeah, cool. man. Great voice, great melodies, uh, dude. I'm really digging your vibe. You know, it's like before, um, before you as leading up to the show. I've uh, been checking out some of your stuff online, some of your videos and things like that. Really cool. Um, I'd love to talk to you about that because mm-hmm. you did some. Uh, you tracked it at Ardent. Right. Yeah. Track this project to art in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then, and it's, you really embodied that it's definitely, you know, the magic of like what Memphis is and that like soulful kind of like yeah. rock and roll lab and all that stuff, dude, like super nailed it on this. It's really fun to listen to.
2: Cool. Thanks. Yeah. yeah well, I, it's, I, it's Iowa players as the rhythm section, you know, the bass and drums. Cool. But, uh, the horns and the singers and stuff that we brought in on that are our Memphis folks and, and, you know, engineered, by memphis guys too so it uh yeah they brought some of that energy to it that's killer man but i didn't you know i don't i'm not interested in making like retro or throwbacks sure material so i feel like we've i i feel like we found a good balance yeah that's killer man and our mutual friend patrick yeah produced this which yeah. is how why i'm here now <laughs>
0: yeah that's great that's awesome so um yeah I, i love how that worked you know um it was cool just uh People always kind of—it's a fun thing, man. In the music community, people like you know, hey, you should have so and so on or whatever, yeah, and, like yeah, suggestions, totally. <laughs> you know. And it's fun to have. Um, I've had. Uh, I think you're the second touring uh, artist that's come through and dropped in the show, which is always oh, cool. fun, you know. Yeah. Take and, and it's never of the like, yeah. yeah, man, it's really cool. I love that, um, you know. And it's cool to like people who are either on their tour or fresh off their tour or whatever, and just fresh with those experiences. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, I've tried a few times where it doesn't work out, but it's always really cool when it does work out. Yeah. So yeah, man um, ardent dude. I I actually kind of hadn't thought about that place in a while. Um, my first studio gig in Nashville, there was a, there was an engineer that I worked with a lot that, um, I think he started in Memphis and maybe he used to work in Ardent a lot. I've never worked the only, I've never made a record anywhere out of, outside of Nashville. And, um, some of these, there's these legendary spots, you know, in different towns that I would love to like have that experience to make a record at. But what's, uh, tell me about Ardent, man. What was your experience there?
2: Talking about Nashville people, you know, the Margot Price, you know, his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, A lot of listeners maybe know know her right now because she's kind of buzzing for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And she she's she's based in Nashville, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she she her her record was recorded at Sun in Memphis Mm -hmm. and mixed at Ardent. Cool. Um, So yeah, there's a good good excuses to make the drive over to Memphis. Yeah, man. (laughs) Because that record sounds fantastic. But um, yeah, you know, it's like the Ardent is is you, you know it's not one of these studios that's um you know it's been around for decades and it's made legendary records and like there's kind of uh sometimes you go to one of these legendary locations and they basically like they look they are exactly the same as they've been since right day 1 yeah. 1963 or whatever right. and you know like the carpet on the walls and it just is like dingy and smelly and like that's the character and it's yeah. like that's awesome you know it's yeah, fantastic yeah, yeah. um but ardent uh really operates um, with a different mindset in terms of that, like they're, they are a a world-class facility, you know, and they have four different studios on, in their compound. Uh It's a real like compound, you know, there's like hallways and there's this inner courtyard and all these sorts of things. And they're, um, and so it's like pristine. Um, and you know, so it has modern rooms and it's got, um, but even the older rooms, like the the rooms themselves haven't been changed, but they, you know, it seems like they could have been built yesterday, but Uh they've been there. Um, And so that's cool. But that being said, you still have the things where it's like, you know, the, the the Neve console that's, you know, big star stuff was recorded or whatever. has like half the buttons have toothpicks sticking out of them to keep them from popping out and everything. (laughs) And then the other thing that's interesting about that is that you, you know, you're in what, in some sense, you know, seems like it could be like a very like commercial kind of studio, but like the vibe from everybody that's there is so like family and they just like, their whole thing is just like making, you know, treating the artists like so amazingly mm-hmm. you know they have they have runners they'll go get you right. know all this kind of stuff yeah and it's interesting too because i mean i guess the kind of cool thing about it is that in in that tradition of taking care of the artists they really uh the artists are in charge and that goes from you know hours to drink into drugs or whatever and not saying that we participated in all of that per se but uh a lot of crazy things happen in that sure yeah 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 which like is sort of a funny dichotomy because it seems like oh it's all rules here when you kind of walk in but that's not the situation at all right
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) totally get it that that that's very um that's not 100 that's not like very far from the experience that I had, like my first kind of music row studio gig here in town. Mm -hmm. It's like pretty much it it, it's it's one of those places. A weird sort of it was a piecemeal together kind of studio with a certain history, you know, it's like it was like a house that was like it was somebody's house. And then like uh David Briggs um And Norbert Putnam, I believe, turned it into a studio in like maybe in like the mid 60s. And then, and then it was like next to it, there was like some kind of, I don't know, it was like a, at one point, like a, like a hair salon or something. And then that busted a hole and and attached the two buildings together, you know? So there's like an old reverb chamber where evidently, um, uh, Linda Ronstadt, some things went down in the reverb chamber, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, man, that's cool. I love those kinds of it's like that vibey stuff. Those, the those reverb kind of, chamber. Yeah, <laughs> the legendary reverb chamber. It was like everybody would hey, uh, half the time people would go uh, would come there and be like, you know, I booked this place because I heard about you know the reverb chamber. I want to check it out. And like you know, and it was a great sounding chamber. Yeah. It was awesome.
2: I would hook up with Linda Ronstadt in any chamber. Yeah. Personally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it at that. No comment from me,
0: but uh, I wouldn't blame you. I guess Um, that's cool. So why? uh, So Memphis then. So you wanted? What was the? What? what brought you to Memphis to do the record?
2: Well, you know, our like uh, our our mutual friend Patrick uh, produced the record. He's uh, uh, you know he's one of my best friends and old friends through music, and we've toured together, and we really connect. And um, this is the first project where I was actually going to have like, or I I wanted to, you know, have. A producer mm-hmm. and not, n- not per se, uh, you know, Oh, like a big name producer or somebody that can, you know, hook me up with certain people or whatever, but rather like somebody who's going to be, um, extremely creatively invested and like who gets me and yeah. who is going to be hard on the project mm-hmm. in terms of like not letting The blah get through, right? You know, and really be a a hardcore filter on it, and really give this producer control, and and I and so you know Patrick was the obvious person to do that because of our history, and part of that was just like you know I had hooked him up with all these demos of stuff I had written. We hadn't necessarily chosen what we were going to record for the record, and obviously what would go on the record, but you know I I was like this is how this is how much money I have to spend Mm -hmm. to make a record, and like let's do whatever you want mm-hmm, with that. Mm-hmm. And so then he came back at me with ardent Memphis and cool. And the reason is, is because well he, he would be better to talk about that because uh-huh. he chose it. But I mean, definitely um, I mean, I think his awareness of ardent comes from the big star legacy uh-huh. and the legend of that band but then, as he then looked into the studio more, because he had been there before, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was able to get us some, you know, friends of the studio sure. discount. He had yeah, some connections yeah, yeah. there. So yeah. there's definitely that. And, you know, it was just about we're going to, we want to make a timeless sounding record. We yeah. need to go to a place that has made timeless sounding right. records. So basically, cool. those elements came together. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. Killer. Um, it's like to us, it's like, the United States version of Abbey Road or something. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah. There's a few, you know, there's a few spots like that. I'd I'd say, uh, Arden's definitely one, you know, and then like Muscle Shoals. And then, uh, there's some spots out sort of like California, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, cello, it's not around anymore, I believe. Um, some of these places, you know, like uh, I never got the, uh, it was sort of like, I never got the, got the chance. I wouldn't love love to like make a record. Um, one of the, Sound City. Do you ever see that documentary? Sound yeah, City is yeah. another one of those spots, you know. Um, but yeah, man, that's uh, that's I, definitely true. I haven't thought about it like that, but you're right. It's kind of like it's kind of like our version of like Abbey Road or something. Well,
2: and you yeah. know, like people, you go. I mean, you get it in Nashville for sure, and in Nashville, Memphis, New Orleans, like uh, you get tourists from Europe that are music lovers, and they mm-hmm. come and do like the music. Tour. They come to these cities right. and they go to, you know, they go to Music Row and yep. they go to they go to Memphis and they go to Sun Studios and all this stuff. Right. And it's like, it's that stuff's just as or more legendary than some of those studios that we think about. Yeah, I mean, and that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I haven't thought about it
0: that way. It's funny, too, because it makes it. I've, I've sort of forgotten, but there was a couple of friends of mine that um, they are Dutch. They live in uh, outside of, like, a little bit outside of Amsterdam. But um, they had never really, um, been to the States. And so, um, they came over and did the whole, like, you know, the Tennessee thing and all that. Yeah. And, um, and it was so funny cause like I'd been to Memphis before, but like, so I grew up in Nashville, you yeah. know? Uh, and I'd been to Memphis before, but it'd been a really long time, and um, I had never done any of the like I'd never been to to Memphis Recording Company, I'd never done the Sun Records tour, you know, never checked out stacks, stacks. Museum. yeah, any so of that. So cool. So um, they were like, "Well, we like we were planning on going and doing that." I was like, "You know what? I'll drive you to Memphis. Let's go do it." Yeah. You know. And so, uh, so we did all of it, and it's. I was like, man, this is killer. Yeah, this is killer. You know, it and is cool. It, it is, man. It's like, uh, you know, and Nashville has a lot of those. Uh, sort of like landmark places. That you're right. It's like a lot of these people, like from Germany or various places in Europe, like to come over to tour it. And and like we don't really think of it that way, you know. But but it is. It's 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 like world famous. Mm. It to me, it's like you know. It, oh, that's just you know. There's like uh, the Bluebird Cafe that's like really close to here. And to yeah. me, it's just like oh, it's the Bluebird Cafe. It's next to McDonald's, whatever. <laughs> but like that place is world famous, you know. Because of who's played there and whatnot. Yeah, hour. yeah, it's incredible.
2: You know, it's interesting in the relationship between Nashville and Memphis, and I've picked up on some of it, I mean, you know, the Memphis scene is pretty defensive about their individuality uh-huh. and like, because they kind of always get lumped in or basically like they don't even exist compared to Nashville. Uh-huh. Like they're kind of like Nashville's like, you know, like, yeah. so Memphis is kind of like, I'm like, Memphis is like the punk rock Nashville to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but it's interesting cuz you know I've been touring around all over the states and and in Europe in these la- last uh 6 months and um you know I'm kind of always talking about this record that's been coming out and you're know, always t- telling everybody about it everywhere and be like yeah we made it in Memphis blah blah and then like f- 5 minutes later I'll hear them like telling somebody or like repeating back to me like yeah like uh he made his record in Nashville you know it's just basically like Memphis uh, already disappeared like really? it became Nashville in their memory that because is like then you know it, yeah it's just like <laughs> no no actually Memphis like that happens everywhere from Iowa to Italy like it's so common people are like oh yeah like you went to how was how was recording in Nashville it was like actually it was Memphis but <laughs> that's hilarious yeah so wow i also got to in october i got to go in um the capital Records, uh, recording studio mm-hmm. in Capitol Tower, like that looks like the stack of disc in L.A. Mm-hmm. They have yeah, a, right, yeah, yeah. They have a studio in the basement, yeah, and that's like where like all the Frank Sinatra yeah. and yeah. and all this stuff was recorded. And man, and that's that's a cool room. And now they have it, like they have that. Uh, there's so much history there, and it's like it's all the same, but it's so like modern hooked up now too. Yeah, and they've got it like uh, fiber optic connected yeah. to the the Kodak Theater or whatever. Yeah. And, like they were so they were showing me. It was so cool because, like, you can't take tours of that place. But I had a connection through a person that I booked, mm-hmm. and blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, come over. And I got to hang out with their engineers. And we just, like, talked about all this stuff for, like, an hour and a half. And they were showing me how, like, during the, like, during the, uh, the um, I think it was the Oscars, they have, like, the Hollywood Symphony or whatever it is, like, in that studio. Because yeah. the walls come apart and they can seat 100-some people in there. They've uh-huh. got them there with screens and the conductor and everything and they've got it fiber optic connected to the theater and like lady gaga is singing on stage yeah live with a hundred person symphony that's two miles down the road yeah yeah and like what yeah that's and they were like yeah when we did that we had like a Fourteen millisecond delay. Now we've cut it down to six. Like that's all this crazy, kind of stuff. Because like apparently it's like you know fourteen second, fourteen millisecond delay. If you're singing live, that's a little yeah. But for like, fortunately, yeah. that wasn't drums. Right. But yeah, it's rough. It, but they were like, yeah, she handled it really well because like, you're basically trying to yeah, it's, it's really weird. You anticipate it. That is
0: interesting. <laughs> I've heard that about. I've heard that about that setup before. You know, that's a really cool thing. And Capital, man, Capital LA is such a um such an interesting sort of um, kind of institution in our modern Mm -hmm. time because, because, you know, um, in the early days of the music industry, it was, it was all about, you know, it was all in-house, you know what I mean? You had like record label, you had, uh, you had the, the in-studio or the in-house like studio department. You had, uh, you had producers that worked on staff at the label, you had engineers and all that. And that's kind of how it all worked back then, you know? And like, and, and uh, the British version of it, like being EMI and all that. And then, like, sort of mid 70s, sometime around then, things is like sort of like, you know, fragmented off and everything was like went independent. You had independent producers and, you know, independent studios for hire and all this kind of stuff. But Capital is like, it still operates in that sort of like old school way, which is in a really cool, it's a kind of a, and there's a lot of also, like, you know, what's cool too about like Memphis, that whole discussion is, um, you know, one of the f- most fun things to me about just going through, uh, checking out Memphis Recording Company, checking out Sun Records, and just li- look, like, listening to kind of the, um, sort of the biography of Sam Phillips and like how he got started and his kind of like entrepreneurial spirit in the music business and like that being the birthplace of rock and roll and all these like little sort of ingredients that came together to kind of build this sort of what was at the time, I guess, sort of a cottage industry and then it grew out from there and you start to listen to all these stories and you're going, you start looking at like comparing it to like today's where we are like in the like up to date, today, the music industry and like where things are going, like pretty much are now, you're like, wow, this is, this is where, this is what's like, this is what we're doing now. Like, like, you know, (laughs) back then it was, um, it was people would come in. Uh, you know, players would come in and you'd have a, like an artist that maybe like Sam Phillips or somebody like, you know, found him, this guy's really inspiring what he's doing. I'm going to bring him in, cut a couple of sides with him. And then that afternoon they're playing it on the radio, you yeah. know? Yep. <laughs> and it was this real kind of like, just sort of like loose maverick way to do it. There was no rules. I don't know. Let's just, why not? Kind well, of like w- podcasting right now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and now like with the internet, that's kind of like, you know, we're back, we, we've we got like, um, it was all about singles. We're gonna cut it, go in, cut an A side, a B side, and now with you can the post internet, it tomorrow on iTunes. Totally, <laughs> that's exactly what we're yeah. at, where we are. You know, and it's a really cool thing. And 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 so now you've got these sort of like newer media companies that are sort of like coming full circle Mm -hmm. again with these sort of like new business models, which are actually throwbacks to the old business model of like what people like capital and EMI people like that were doing, you know what I mean? And it's a really cool thing. I'm really inspired by that. You know, there's a part of me that's sort of, I consider myself kind of an entrepreneur, you know, and, and I spend a fair amount of my time, you know, sort of like cracking new ideas and going, Oh, what's that? Let me like try to go down that rabbit hole a little bit. And I like this idea of like of media. I like Mm -hmm. this idea, you know, and I like this idea that, you know, like before, before we turn on the mics, you and I were kind of like talking about YouTubers and stuff like that. There's these platforms like that. There's podcasting, there's YouTube, you know and Then there's kind of like Spotify and Amazon When you get like Netflix and Amazon Or you know yeah. Amazon is a Movie studio now You know yeah. They put They have theatrical releases There's a right. I think there's a There's a movie Currently in theaters now That was Put out by Amazon You know and so it's a, it's a cool time to me, like where things have kind of evolved and there's these little, they've sort of, you can see these little inklings of times gone by, like from like the sixties yeah. that are kind of back in these business models. And it's a really interesting thing, you know? Well,
2: and, yeah. And, and as, as the w- way that artists can generate income, you know, the those, as those things change and it it's up to the artists, you know, that it's driving innovation, I think to yeah. find, you know, ways whether, you know, yeah. to, to generate income and to market yourself. Right. Because, you know, music's not going anywhere. Everybody loves music. Right. But yeah. So people it's, it's, it's cool. I guess that technology enables, uh, the opportunity and resources to, for artists to reinvent, um, their businesses. And yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of that will be like taking some of those old things that right. Worked, and bringing them back. Right. Totally, man. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it,
0: yeah, it's an interesting cycle of how it all works. It's like there's technology and then there's sort of like consumer behavior, um, you know, just a number of little ingredients that come together and it kind of, yeah, it's building a new thing. It's definitely not, um, it's definitely not like a carbon copy of what it was. And it's definitely not something that's just like, kind of like works on its own, at, at least at this point in time you know um there's still like sort of like big business and big money or whatever that sort of needs to come in and sort of i guess in a way kind of underwrite it so as to a certain extent you know to at least like infuse a certain level of capital into the game so that then like you know some of these bigger players like amazon can kind of like become self-sustaining and go hey you know we'll, we'll create our own content or like Netflix or whatever, you know, and these people now, like you get, you get all this stuff where like these writers, you can just tell, like a lot of these folks who were like, you know, maybe they were writing for doing movies or doing like, um, you know, HBO type television shows. And you can see that style of production and writing is now like these people are people like David Fincher creating, you know, our or, uh, Netflix, material and yeah. stuff like that it's a cool time i really like it man i really oh, like the idea starbucks has a record label right yeah <laughs> right the, like coffee shops and like brands have labels now because it's in yeah music you know any i don't know this is kind of an interesting st- discussion there's i don't know if you've ever read the book um uh david byrne wrote the how, book how music works. yeah i haven't actually okay. i know i need to yeah 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 um i want to uh that's a cool book, and, and and full disclosure, I've read probably a third of it. I haven't completed the book, but it's a really cool discussion about, you know, all these different eras of music, and there's, like, technology and consumer behavior and stuff like that that sort of, like, influence the writing and the composition, you know, and the artistry of it, and it's kind of interesting because, you know, um, back, like, I don't know, centuries gone by, you know, talking about like sort of, I don't know, 16th century Europe or whatever. And it's interesting about how the economy of music worked at that time. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like, there wasn't a, like a direct industry built around that, you know, but there were people who had, who appreciated music and wanted music. And so they would pay for music to be created, you know, and in a way it's kind of, there's an inkling of that even in, in today's, Kind of in today's world, which is which is interesting. Sometimes I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I don't know. Uh, like,
1: <laughs> how do you I, feel about it? Well,
2: I think as an independent artist, like on that note, I I definitely I think that it's important to look at uh utilizing fans of yours that have wealth to share. Sure, that's a cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how do you feel? About- I mean, like I've you know I I've like. I've basically protected an entire like East Coast tour off of having like Mm -hmm. one fan that paid me to come to like a party at his house. Yeah. And, you know, all of his friends bought all the merch and got paid a stack of cash and stuff to do. And, you know, and I have those things. You know, I've had fans, you know, I'm not just, I'm not directly going to somebody and being like, hey, man, can I have some money or whatever. But like, I've had fans reach out and be like, how can I support you? Or like, can I, like, how can I help you get a better keyboard or like make a record? And uh-huh. not even like, not even uh, some Kickstarter thing, but just like personally, like yeah. somebody being like, you know, just these sort of like a uh, benefactors, if you will, yeah, which yeah. has always been a part of, you know, like the opera and the classical symphonies. Right. you know, these people that are donating thousands of dollars right. and stuff. As I have, as I've been fortunate to develop my career enough to have fans around the world, not a lot, but some, mm-hmm. some of the really ardent fans are, that's meaningful to them. They can support something they care about. And like, that's allows me to like create my content. And so, you know, it's kind of, you're talking about like some world-class director doing a show for Netflix, which I think in the past might've been like, Oh, that's kind of like, that's kind of like you're stooping down to like do Mm -hmm. some internet thing. But it's it's like, Hey, they have the money. They're going to like, you get to make the piece of art the way you want to make it. Right. And there you go. That's the end of the story. So I definitely do that. And I also more recently, you know, I've done, I did one crowdfunding campaign and Mm -hmm. I'm a really big supporter of that concept for artists. And, um, yeah, it's like, we don't, you don't necessarily need a big label. Um, I mean, at at a certain point, depending on what you want to do, you might need capital that's beyond what your fans can Mm -hmm. generate for you. But I, I'm definitely a big uh, advocate of of directly, you know, the the more intimate yeah, <laughs> relationship.
0: Absolutely, yeah, that's cool. I, I I'm glad to, you know, I've come around on 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 the crowdfunding thing, and I'm uh, that's really cool it's that you've got, you know, you've got a, a fan base like that that's really connected in a way that's. Um, really adamant and, and inspired to, to really, uh, you know, there's a few, there's a few artists that I've talked to that have that relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's an important relationship to have with, with, with artists. And like, when you really build that real true connection and interactivity, sort of like, it's like an interactive kind of thing. I think yeah. that, I think that's like, when you look at, when it comes down to this and I, and I was talking to this, talking to some about this recently, but when it really, when you really look at sort of the, the, the um what's driving sort of like i guess successful artists however on whatever level you are like however you sort of define success but you you see certain like in certain kind of areas where there's these standout folks and it's these people who get it about like really interacting with their audience and being sort of like this this sort of intimate relationship you know what i mean and that's you look at like um one of the uh one of the bigger industries like when you talk about like on like sort of the industry level, the industry level at large, you know, for, in terms of like the music business is kind of, you know, it's touch and go, but there's a few kind of pockets of it. For example, like live EDM festival, Mm -hmm. that kind of pocket that, I mean, those people are doing really well. There's some standout artists in that kind of realm that, um, that are doing really well when you kind of analyze and sort of reverse engineer how they're doing it. Like some people that come to mind are people like, um, pretty lights or base nectar or something like this. And you sort of like look at what they're doing and reverse engineering it. And it's, and they're creating that sort of it. They're really good at creating an interactive, intimate, like keyword experience with their fans. You know what I mean? And then knowing how to create art to distribute in that sort of place that, that sort of forms this, I don't know, I was going to say like economy or commerce. Whatever. I mean, it's it's you know, kind of forms this this way of kind of it's a conduit. It's sort of like
2: it's the the foundation which the whole experience is kind of like built on. You know, well, and you know, it's it, because especially I mean, especially now, but like I, I'm definitely like I'm a I'm an I I am a self-proclaimed entrepreneur too, mm-hmm. and I and as a independent musician, you are a business owner, sure, and I definitely embrace the. um I guess, capitalist side of the business. Right, right. But I'm, but I think with music to understand that, or with really any art, it's like there is a product part of it, mm-hmm. but it's not simply just a product. It's not gasoline that you're putting in your yeah, car. Yeah. It's not your cleaning fluid for your windows. Mm-hmm. It's there's, there's more to it than that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's not just the artist being a content creator and selling a product to people because the people that are consuming it they it's a feedback system they give mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. through the consumption it drives the art and you know it, the, yeah. the your relationship with the people that are interested in what you're doing it's a circular thing it's you know it's not like uh if if i make <laughs> uh whatever you know in other in other in other industries i can't even think of an example but like i'm just gonna use the oil one for example because yeah, yeah. that's one that makes a lot of money but like you know it doesn't it's just like you buy it you use it like right this yeah. is this is the artist gets product in a way from the consumer like mm-hmm. back right. from them and yeah. so in that way yeah there is a capitalist part of it which is the cd the, the the things that are monetized directly, but then because it's bigger than that, um, there is this. It, it's um, to me, it doesn't seem strange at all to to you know basically have your fans directly supporting you and and making right. it kind of more like yeah. a team right. in a sense because yeah. they're part of mm-hmm. the creating those that art like right yeah whether they really realize it or not yeah you know? I love that I love that I'm like, sorry you... that's I'm not
0: communicating that clearly. no I that's a really no I get it because that's that's like I was just thinking when you're talking about you know when you're talking about the um the the oil or whatever if I'm gonna go like you know like get some, I need a quart of oil for my lawnmower or something. I don't really care about creating, you know, having some kind of like relationship with the people who made the oil or like whoever's idea was like, however this company is started. I don't know, Mm. man. Like that's what I need. I just need that quart of oil and, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I just don't even, I don't even think about it, but like, but yeah, I've that's a really interesting kind of like, observation because i've never thought of it that way it's like that's not what's happening with art like like if it's a artist that i really care about or like you know this okay some song comes on who is this and i go down the rabbit hole like figuring out who it is and like oh i'm a you know listen to other stuff yeah Yeah. i'm a fan of this person right Right. of course and now i care about on some level of some kind you know it's a different kind of relationship. It's a different type of experience for me and mentality than I'm not going to buy a quart of oil. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm having this like specific experience with this. I care about like knowing sort of somewhat of the story about who created this, this art, you know, like, you know, what flies into my mind real quick is, um, is, is uh, Alt J. Right. And yeah. when that, when that, when that, when their music first came out and it was like their debut record and all in like that first single, I remember somebody sent me a link. You got to check out this video. So I watched the video and I was like, well, the video's okay, but that song, like who is this? You know? Yeah. And at that point I was just like, that struck me. I was like, this is interesting. Like mm-hmm. this is super interesting. So I instantly became a fan. And it was a certain, you know, it was like an a, a certain experience and you're right. It's, it, it's not going to buy a quart of oil, you know? And it's the same kind of thing of like, like, maybe a craft maker who makes, you know, uses repurposed wood totally.
2: to, 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 or to, you see it in like food. Like, yeah, food's a great example. I mean, not all food, yeah. but there's, you know, there's the eat local movement. And, right. You know, so the, that, that is, uh, that's a certain type of artistry. Right. So there's industries that blur the lines. Yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, it's like, I think, especially now, you have, I want to see more of it, you know, like whoever figured out how to market, like, Eating local as being such a important priority and mm-hmm. in, in in your life to mm-hmm. like a, there's a lot of people that like that's a priority like right. that's how they purchase their things. I mean somebody's like pushing that from somewhere. Yeah, you know that didn't I, that's not completely random, but uh, that I think I would love to see that in music more about yes. like yeah, like I listen to this independent artist. A, yeah, because the product is fantastic, but also like part of my relationship with it is the fact that they are like somebody that's like doing it all on their own and they're tr- and that's right. how they have to operate. Yeah. And like, that's part of the almost satisfaction. In right. <laughs> listening yeah. Listening to that music. Totally. I think yeah. that's reasonable. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, that's that's also a good observation is this idea that it's like, it's like, you know, people kind of in a way are sort of, they want to have their own like sort of in, tribe that they're, they belong to and they're connected to, you know? And when you have this person who's like a household name that like 10 million people know about or, uh, whatever, um, it's hard to kind of feel that way. Like, you know, if you're, if you're at some concert and, and it's like an entire NFL stadium is there to see this one band, it's hard to feel like this is like This isn't really something I necessarily, like, belong to in the same way that... still good. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's a yearning to have a belonging to something in an intimate way. That's a cool observation. Yeah, man.
2: But, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, if you're going to buy... If if you're going to make a decision, like, oh, I'm going to get my eggs from this local farm, Mm -hmm. farmer, rather than... Or, like, say, like, I'm going to get my bread from this local bakery rather than buying the the mass-produced stuff at the Mm -hmm. grocery store. Like, you're going to... You might you might pursue that out of an interest in supporting something like that for the economic and the mm-hmm. community reasons. But like if the bread isn't good, you're going to stop, right? Like? The yeah. Onus is yeah. still on the creator. Like yeah. you still have to be good. Yes. Like it has, you have, you know, so I, but I, I think that getting more people interested in checking out things that aren't being delivered to them. Um, and I think especially now, and people don't realize how much of what they think, Feel like they're discovering is actually being delivered to them mm-hmm. like you know even a name a name that is like f- quite independent and I mean they still are independent I mean I'm not trying but like a name that pops up on pitchfork or something there's very good chance that like a hundred thousand dollars has been dropped into like sure. marketing that right. getting that name to that point right you know and that's not a bad thing like that's part of the business right. like I'm spending a good amount of money on my thing but mm-hmm. like things are being advertised publicized marketed etc to get them to a certain point and um And, uh, yeah, I think it would be, it would be cool to just develop the culture of discovery and some of the technology like SoundCloud and Bandcamp are allowing, um, and even Spotify, like allowing people to discover things more on their own.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. So, um, I think we're probably actually running up to about halfway, halfway point. There's some, there's like, I, I love the discussion though. I want to, I, I definitely want to, I want to, I, I want to dive back into sort of like your thoughts more on some, some of the crowdfunding stuff because okay. you, the, we, uh you touched on that for a second and it's something that I've recently come around to like in the beginning uh when it first kind of came on the scene, I was like, uh, but, but it's a really cool, I think there's some people who've cracked the code on it. It's a really viable, uh, it's a really viable kind of method. And um, if you do it right, um, it does serve as a way to really connect with fans and stuff. I'd love to hear more about what you think about that and what your personal experience have been. But um, since we're like right, right around the halfway point, maybe we'll go ahead and like break and uh and uh, listen to another song that you played yeah and we yeah. can kind of like get into the second half of the we'll show it. and all that <laughs> um what's the uh what's the
2: what's the track this uh this next one that we're gonna hear um, it's the closing song for my new album this song is called i'm not that famous yet killer man <laughs> let's check it out
0: Awesome man. I'm not that famous yet. Yeah. Cool man. That's a cool that's a fun song. Um uh so that one's another you tracked all these at Ardent, yeah, right? right? Start to finish. Did you track the um was it like Did you track the entire project start to finish at, at Ardent or did you guys kinda of move around a little bit or
2: No, yeah, we did the whole thing there. I, we did um at, you know, I did demos that were mostly just me on the piano at mm-hmm. home, and then from there went Also, in my home studio, we basically, after about three months of rehearsing the songs and arranging with the producer and, like, recording every practice and, you know, Mm fine-tuning the songs, we did basically a quick and dirty version of the album at home, where Mm -hmm. we multi-tracked it in the basement, and over the course of two weeks, I basically did, like, all the overdubs myself of, like, experimenting and and figuring out those little things, Mm -hmm. like, what what I wanted with vocals and horns, because I played trumpet and stuff, and, Mm -hmm. like basically making you know be like okay this that that this vibe and be like yeah you know whether it's just like okay we want i want these exact i want to bring in singers mm-hmm. you know to do like these exact parts which i've tracked at in my demo mm-hmm. and then uh to like okay well i know in that part i want like a saxophone that just like does something vibey in a pentatonic scale like or yeah, ish, like, yeah right you know right. not exact but like vibey like but somebody that's way better than i am and uh and so we had a very very clear you know, I'm not a fan of like the experimenting in the studio. Mm-hmm. Really, I don't mm-hmm. have patience for it. Sure. I'm like, I, I, you know, like that's yeah. If it's your basement or whatever, but if it's like a place where there's an engineer and like you're paying money and yeah. like, it's just like, man, I just want to like, I want to play. I just want to be playing songs and no, i being. I like I have a checklist when I go into the studio, right? And so when we went there, we did, we did, we ended up recording uh four. 15, there's nine songs in the album. I guess we did 13 or 14 songs. Um, in we were there for six days, 70 hours in six days. It was a okay. massive marathon sessions. Yeah. And uh, and then that was just the tracking. And then I came back, took the took those rough, you know, the roughs from that home and uh, spent a couple months listening and, and then went back and mixed it in, there as well. Okay. We mixed in a different room there. We were there. It was like 50... 50 hours over five days okay. mixing and part of that too was like oh yeah I, this part needs this little vocal thing or whatever and so then I would just in the little closet next okay. to the mixing booth you know right. threw down a couple extra little things right, here right, right. before we mixed cool. it down. yeah, yeah so you got
0: you had a lot of time kind of in the pre-production process to, to really yeah. flesh things out and all that that's really cool
2: I think well because I was also like we're going to, I'm taking some musicians on to Memphis like we gotta it's yeah. gotta be done at the end of this week right <laughs> yeah 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 that's cool. Um, that's that's definitely you know it,
0: when it works out that way. I think I really do think that's the way to go. You know, I think um, I think that's when you're able to kind of like um, structure things in the right way, kind of think about it in the right way, and you know when you can allot time, like budget, willing time, allowing whatever. You know, um, yeah, uh, I've definitely had experiences both ways, and and yeah, it's, it's definitely helps you kind of. I think the space of like, there's definitely like creativity. I think, I don't want to like paint the picture of like, you know, I think that the studio should be like a creative space, but like it shouldn't necessarily be, it just depends on, I guess what kind of like your intentions are for going in, but that's cool though. Yeah.
2: I mean with like with my record, I mean, if you had say like you're playing just like soul songs or rock songs or something, and it's basically, it's like straightforward. Like, I mean, you could, You know, you could rehearse them, know what you want to do, and then just like Mm -hmm. go in and play without any pre-production or Mm -hmm. anything. And the creativity to me, though, is like it's not it's in getting the sound because like Mm -hmm. that's the one thing you can't do in advance until you get in the studio. Mm -hmm. And like you're going to you also need to be flexible with like the things that you've prepared because like the room is going to bring something different to it. The gear is going to bring something different to it. And maybe, like, that idea just doesn't really work. Right. Um, or maybe there's just like, well, this sounds incredible in here. Like, we should do this. <laughs> or yeah, I have this yeah, player yeah. here now. Let's do that. But really, the biggest reason that the pre production existed is because this album has got, and generally, a lot of my music tends to have this element to it where the arrangement, what I want to do or what I hear in my head is not like something where you can just like play it from beginning to end to Mm -hmm. create the sound. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, we need to do this piece and then there needs to be like a lead time and a count off that's Uh isolated from the band and then we have to do the separate piece and then we're going to piece them together to create this like theatrical, these, you know, like there's some of these like queen kind of like theater piece Uh things happening that like require more construction and you plan it in advance. It's just like way, way better. Yeah. 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 It goes way smoother. Especially when you got like singers coming in that you're paying, you know, and stuff like, yeah, it's like you don't worry, but it's like more like making a movie on a really small scale where it's just like, OK, you're the actor like, you not you don't know what the big picture is. Just like do this. Like, right. I know, I know what I'm doing. I know what we need. Do this. All right. Thank you very much. Here's your check. Sounded amazing. Love you all. Right. Go get a beer. Right. And then like, but I know that I've got the pieces in the right place. Right. That when it's come time to mix it, it's going to work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you've got to really you, you you definitely you know your vision. You know your vision mm-hmm. and that's really cool. That's really important, you know, to like to know and, and, and in a way that like you know um you've got your intention set for each moment of sort of like making a record and all that and that's 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 cool, man. That's um that's something that deserves acknowledgement, you know what I mean? Because it's it's definitely um it's it's definitely an important thing and it's not something that I think a lot of people uh check in on necessarily, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it does make a big difference and it and it's definitely comes from experience stuff. So that's cool, man. That's awesome. Um how many uh I get I'm I get the vibe. This is like you how many records have you made?
2: Uh well I've made under Christopher the Concord, I've made three studio albums mm-hmm. and then I've made a live record. Um cool. And then I've also I started a record label I've produced a handful of other records I've played in other bands. Cool. Um, So, I mean, I've probably, like, been a part of, like, in the studio on maybe, like, 12 to 15 albums. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. You know, but my albums go from, like, basically my first album I made in my parents' basement where I played almost every instrument. Mm -hmm. And it was really just, like, just making it one song at a time without really a plan. And it was all over the place. And... Uh, then the second album I made in Patrick's basement on a tape cool. machine, but like I was still definitely like produ- heavily producing in mm-hmm. terms of like I had a vision that I was following, but it was kind of me and him making it. So I played the drums, I played the piano, I played, I played all the instruments mm-hmm. on that one too. And then that record like got started getting me like a little more traction just around my home scene in terms mm-hmm. of like people being like, oh, this guy's cool. And like I was playing more live. And so then I was connecting with people and I had. So then I got people that were like, because my record had like, I had layered horns, I had played all the trumpets, mm-hmm. I had played guitar and all these things on the record that um, we made in his basement. And then, you know, so then I had people that were like, oh, I'd like to play with you or whatever. And stuff like that. And right. so I was just like, okay, now I have a band like cool because I was playing solo up to then. Yeah. Whatever with backing tracks or all these different things um and then uh so then i had a band and so when it a few years down the road then like we had played so much together that then it was like well now i'm gonna actually have a band on my Mm -hmm. next record Mm -hmm. and so then the next record we made we made it a like an old school studio in illinois with a five i had a five piece horn section at that time because i was doing all the stuff with horns and you know we went in and we did like a very uh we weren't recording to tape but um it was um pretty you know vintage gear and everything and uh we tracked with um totally different than my previous two records we tracked basically it was me on a piano bass and drums tracking live all the vocals uh-huh. on that record are live with the band and then we brought in the horn section put them in one in the room together five piece horn section one mic stereo mm-hmm. and tracked that so it's basically like two cuts and then uh-huh. i took those tracks home uh and, and then like in my living room then was like, Oh, I had a Barry sax player come over and like guitar and like added yeah. all these little ornaments and stuff. And so then, then it just got, then uh, I fast forward a few more years and my band's way more stripped down. It's like, mm-hmm. bass, it's like basically just like piano, bass, drums, and then the other stuff is just like studio musicians and stuff that I brought so, in. So do you, so sorry, I know you didn't ask for that. No, but that's great. Still, that's, you know, perfect. That. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. It's like,
0: you saved me to, you saved me to have to ask because I definitely want to know about all that. But like, so to, to, uh, you were talking about like that one record that you made that was, you know, tracking everything live. And then this record is it sort of like it's not that it's not tracking live This or? record
2: I wanted it to be I wanted it to be more hi-fi uh-huh. like I didn't want to, I want I wanted it to be like basically as hi-fi as it could be but not necessarily modern per se mm-hmm. but I, didn't, I but like I mentioned before I didn't want to make I do not want to do a throwback yeah I you know I didn't want it to sound like x thing from 1968 sure, sure. or whatever um and, but you like, but that being said, I mean, so like we recorded it to tape, but we recorded okay. it to two inch tape, 16 track, yeah you know, it's like, and when it comes to like the drums, like, you know, it was a, we were using a super modern drum kit that we put in a booth, mm-hmm. you know, and it, mm-hmm. so it was a super tight yeah. sound and stuff like that. And so I wanted it to be cleaner and I wanted the voice to be, I wanted it to be all about the voice. Mm-hmm. That's the record. Mm-hmm. So like the voice, like in the mix on this, it's like, it's very upfront. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, so in that sense, it's like. You know, has a modern sound to it, but it's not clean. You know, there's not really there's not really any digital edits or anything uh-huh, um, or anything right. like that. Um, it's recorded to tape. The tapes um, and and yeah. So in terms of the studio, it was basically like m- almost every song was recorded, bass, drums, piano, live together. Okay. Um, and then we would put on and then I would do the vocals on mm-hmm. that and then bring the other pieces. Mm-hmm. I think one song we used a click track. Um, okay, and. Uh, and then like one or two songs, I think two of the songs, it was just the bassist and the drummer did their groove together and yeah. then I went out of the piano yeah. after and it's kind of for different reasons, but, uh, um, but yeah, separating the vocals from it, but one song on it, actually the song I opened today with the, I guess my heart's out of tune again, that song we did live vocals with it. So it's piano, bass, drums, and vocals live. And the reason was that is cause it's such a vibe song sure. and it's like, I'm not going to be able to cut the vocals on top of this. It's, it needs to be with the band to make it sound like right. the way I want it to sound. Yeah. And that was just something that we learned from pre-production. Um but all the other songs I did the vocals after the fact. But you know, so it's not it's still fairly simple because like like I said, I don't have a lot of patience in the studio. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, to me like I can't even barely do it in pre-production. Just like, okay, we're gonna do a drum track with a scratch and then we're gonna do a bass, and then a guitar. and just like yeah. this takes forever. Like right. and it's like and it to the way that I for me, I mean I love lots of music that's made that way because there are artists that know how to do that and make Mm -hmm, it sound amazing. mm -hmm. Um, so it's not, it hasn't, it's not about like, Oh, that doesn't, that means it's not legitimate. Like that's not at all. It's just Mm -hmm, for me, mm -hmm. I can't really do that. And to me, it's like, it's the difference between looking at the painting of the Mona Lisa or like the puzzle of the painting of the Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when you record everything separately, if you're, depending on the kind of music, if you're trying to make like a sound that I generally have been trying to make, you are basically like taking all these separate pieces and trying to make them sound like they were made together, but they weren't. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, you can see the cracks in it. You can see the lines. It doesn't sound right. Right, It sounds, all these pieces are isolated. You know, it's like they need to be made together to a certain degree for the kind of sounds that I've been pursuing, but I'm always changing what I'm pursuing. And so I'm open to future stuff, but like, Yeah, just, I I really, to me, it's like, I like to sit down and play it, and then push playback, and it's like, that sounds like a record, like, we're still gonna do a lot more work on it, but like, it's just, because it's, yeah, because also, it's like, you spend, you spend all that time cutting those things, and then you get. And it's just like, it doesn't really sound very good. And we spent 50 hours. Yeah, on yeah. It.
0: <laughs> I totally get it, man. Yeah. I, it's, it's definitely, I'm, a, I'm on that vibe too. You know, I want to, I want to have something that's just like, okay, there's some real solid, there's a real solid kind of, uh, root there. You know, there's yeah. a real solid foundation to it. And, um, right, right at the get go, you know what I mean? And, and, and like, um, Where you're kind of you're kind of capturing there's sort of this visceral energy that you're sort of capturing when you're when you're like it's people kind of you know at least two people maybe three people in a room together kind of like playing off each other and you get the you get sort of like capture that sort of like visceral energy of it you know what I mean
2: yeah it's 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 a it it is at least a song like there you know it's like not just the bass line or something you know or the drum part and so that feels like that to me feels like okay we're being productive and then it's okay then to be like and then you're gonna put tambourine on it like i have the patience for that because then it's like oh we already have a great thing like this is gonna make it even cooler yeah it's that but yeah for me like setting down the establishing tracks one by one um has never been something that's worked very well Mm -hmm. for me but that being said i did that like like on my, on my, on the, on like the first two records where I was playing every instrument, that was the mm-hmm. only way to right have to, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. And then that's just kind of like, well, I don't really have a vision per se so much as just like, it's just fun to just, just start making it and laying it down. But now I'm much more like, I know where I want, to, where I want to get. Yeah. I would like to minimize the amount of time it takes to get there. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Especially when I'm paying for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: To have to put some structure around some things in some key places allows kind of it kind of allows for sort of the liberation of the mind, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, what I mean, yeah, there's kind of like it takes care of some of the meta details so that you're not having to like hold on to that and you can focus on like just creative kind of details, you know, what I mean.
2: Yeah, well, I'm like capturing a performance. <laughs> right,
0: absolutely. Yeah. So, um, hey, you know, there was something I wanted to ask you about. Um, I was checking out some of uh, some of your videos and um, ah, the, the song title, I don't remember what it was, but a video that you guys made. And um, you're like in a, it's like a huge estate.
2: Yeah, yeah. What, where is where, where is that track? That's, so that's actually where, um, that's the video for the song On My Final Day, which is on the record. And um, that is is actually at a place where I recorded my live album. Okay. I've recorded it on that piano that's in that video. Okay. That's a fascinating uh, place. It's in Des Moines. It's called the Salisbury House. Okay. It was built by this guy, Carl Weeks, who owned a, a cosmetics makeup company in like the 30s mm-hmm. and 40s. Okay. And they invented like cosmetic foundation. Like it was huh. his patent. Like, okay. So he was super rich. And he built... This house that was modeled after the King's house in Salisbury, England. Okay. And it's it's you know, it's like King's house. It's like and it and they brought it's incredible. Like, um they've got he was just a collector of world culture and stuff. And so like the the ceiling in the entryway, which is like shown in that video, the rafters are from I can't think of the name of it, but it's like the, the, the inn slash theater where like Shakespeare first debuted, like a majority oh, of his works, wow. okay. like they shipped the roof of that wow. over when it got, wow. when it was like getting torn down Unbelievable! and he's got like columns from Pompeii there and he's got like all the original, uh, manuscripts of the works of Charles Dickens, like Dickens, wow. like original handwritten books of like the tale of two cities and stuff. And just, you know, Ernest Hemingway was like a friend of his and like this so, he has crazy. like signed copies of every all these things. And, and so is this
0: some? Is this like still a, like it's a residence? Well, no.
2: So it? now it's basically the estate operates it as like a nonprofit. Okay, and they have like concerts there. Okay, and that you can go and take tours and and stuff like that. They have you know Shakespeare stuff out on the lawn and stuff like that. Um, and they basically the estate protects this art and culture collection because you know he's got. I don't know, 3 or 5 million dollars worth of art on the walls. Mm-hmm. The library has millions of dollars worth of priceless books mm-hmm. and like the art will go on tour, it'll go like okay. a piece of art that's worth, you know, a million bucks will go out on tour to like yeah. other places and so that's what the estate is. And basically a couple of years ago a new guy came from New York who was like a radio guy, music dude and he he his wife moved to Iowa for a job and he got the job as the new executive director. And like the first thing he did was like, started like finding out like who are the good local bands just cause I was his like thing. Mm-hmm. He became a fan of mine and he was just like, you know, like they, they had only ever had like classical performances and stuff. And he was like, you should come and do a show in this place. And That's so I cool. did a show and uh, you know, this piano they have there is this million dollar piano that like the wood comes from, uh, it was shipped over, um, uh, from 16th century English barns and outhouses, but mm-hmm. like, like kingly ones that were like all engraved and stuff. And this guy had it weeks, Carl Weeks, he had it commissioned, <laughs> a custom built piano by Steinway, when Steinway and Sons, when it was like overseen by Steinway himself. <laughs> and when they delivered it, Steinway said it was the, the finest piano they had ever really? built. And like Louis Armstrong used to stay at this house and play this piano and stuff like that. This is killer, man. Yeah, I have to come check and, this place out. It's really cool. Even yeah. in Des Moines, most people don't know about it. That's yeah. a thing. But, That's and cool. that was part of why I was like, you know, can we do this video there? I'd like to bring yeah. some more attention to how yeah. cool this place it's is. It's
0: definitely something like, you know, when I was watching the video, it's definitely something that stand out. I'm like, man, I don't even know what this place is. That's yeah. really cool, man. That's awesome. <laughs> you you tracked the video there, man. Yeah. Killer. Awesome, man. Well, I know we're kind of we're kind of running out of time, so I kind of want to uh, be able to wrap up the show, you know, and uh, give you the opportunity I think to. We, um, said we
2: were going to hit back on the crowdfunding thing a little bit before. Yeah, the break. yeah, I did. Oosh, I did oosh. want to talk about that a little bit. So if you want, because wanna, actually, there's a tie a segue from a video to the crowdfunding. Yeah, that, please talk <laughs> about it. Because that'd be awesome. I just tracked. It, I, I did another video that I released more recently that that was I did a Indiegogo campaign for the video. Uh huh. Um, and. Basically, the to me, like I'm not gonna ask my fans for money up front mm-hmm. unless I genuinely need it to mm-hmm. like create something that right. I think is an important part of a project. Um, so, like I would say, my only real problem with the crowdfunding thing, maybe, but I'm not really sure. But like, is that you see like a band that is like literally making their first thing, and yeah, they're like right they're raising 7,000 or $10,000 mm-hmm. to make an EP. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know that they don't really know how to make one. Like, mm-hmm. and it just, and so it's like, yeah, like they'll like almost every time I see they hit their goal, like all their friends and family in 10, 20, 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then they go to like some really nice studio, but still make probably not a very good record mm-hmm. because you, as you know, like you can be the nicest studio in the world, but if you don't have a vision right. or the musicianship or the chops, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, right. yeah, like the, the fidelity will be there, but like, t- I mean, I'm very, yeah, sorry, but <laughs> that's okay. We be beep that tone. Is it, you know, it's like, as I say, like your tone is in the fingers, you know, yeah. it's like, you just, no microphone is going to yeah. make that guitar like sound as it's you right. Know? yes, Yeah. So yeah. like, uh, uh, and so you have these, you know, you have these kids and people making, te- you know, spending $10,000 of their friends and families money. And it's like, they could have just made it in their basement and they probably should have mm-hmm. to like, learn mm-hmm. and you know that's like something like patrick who produced a record he says is like you should not like as a musician like you should have done every aspect of your business before somebody else is like getting paid or you're hiring somebody else to do it. like you should have booked your own tours yeah before you have a booking agent you know you should produce your own records before you're having somebody else produce them like mm-hmm. so then you know you get it you know what it's like and mm-hmm. it's going to make you better in the long run um and so i think that that's just like Okay, is it really necessary for you guys to have ten thousand dollars to make your EP or your CD? Like, you know, like, yeah. but like, I feel like I'm at the point for me where it's like I know exactly what I want to do, right. and I mean I've done this for a long time, and I'm I'm like yeah, like I'm trying to raise fifty five thousand dollars to do this album from top to bottom, not mm-hmm. just producing the music, but like I've got a marketing campaign, I've got publicists right. lined up, radio. This is like. I, you know, I'm running it. It's a business. So I'm sure. like seeking capital. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, you know, part of it is like I'm out there playing shows and I'm stowing away cash. Like I'm funding a lot of it myself. Part of it's like label. Part of it's, uh, you know, some bigger, you know, some fans that are just like throwing down part, sure, you know, sure. et cetera, et cetera. And part of that was just like, OK, you know, I'm making these four different music videos. We've gotten through the three of them this one is the most ambitious one. I've got an exact budget. Like it's going to be, it's going to cost me 2200 bucks to make or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the money right now. Everything else is called for on these other parts of it. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. if I just had the cash sitting there, I would have just done it, but I didn't. And I was like, this is a viable way. So it's like, I did an Indiegogo campaign to raise money for this video particularly. Mm -hmm. So rather than saying like, Oh, I need this much money to finish my album project or something. It was like, be a part of this video. And so people could have like, their portrait in the video or their name appeared somewhere in the video, Mm -hmm. like in a prop Mm -hmm. and stuff. And it was very... I had an exact plan and it was lined out. Like, this money is going to go to this and this and this and we're going to make this thing together. And literally, if people did not like support it, it wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, that's the thing because it's like, if those guys or girls didn't get their $7,000 or $10,000, they're going to make their record anyway. They're going to do it one way or another. So, in that sense, it's like, is it really necessary Mm -hmm. per se. Maybe they do have a very clear vision and that's why I'm not like necessarily against it, but it just seems like, you know, it's like maybe you could go out there, you could work for yourself a little bit, just figure stuff out. And then once you really like, you have like a fan base that is engaged with you that, um, then you could start looking at like, you know, achieving these visions that you developed once you found your voice and stuff. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's like, Cool that people can just like make cool you know make records in cool studios and stuff yeah. and I can't really I mean hey, yeah, yeah, people yeah. want to give them the money whatever That's <laughs> that's 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 that's, gr- that's all great stuff that really <laughs> yeah. super is that's
0: that's great stuff cuz I, I do I agree with you I think and that's where it went, when originally when crowdfunding became kind of the thing and people were doing it that was the thing that turned me off from it was there was a lot of just sort of people like I didn't really understand how to do it. And like, I was still trying to like, you know, I was like thinking about, hmm, I don't know. I don't know about this whole thing. And then you know, a lot of the bands that were doing it, artists that were utilizing it weren't, I could tell it's like, there wasn't a lot of thought going into what they were doing either. And just the whole thing just didn't seem right. Now then it's evolved and there's people like, you know, there's, uh, um, um, platforms like pledge music where, you know, and there's other, there's people out there, people like yourself to put more thought into it and kind of figured out sort of, so to speak in a way, kind of like crack the code on it. And I've come around, you know, and I think that everything that you shared is uh, really good, uh, you know, that is a great point. Like what relaying, what Patrick said about, you know, go out and like get your hands in each kind of like each one of these things and, and gain experience in these areas before you ask somebody else to kind of like get involved in, you know, um, especially like, you know, kind of like producing your own record and how like figuring out like, what are you trying to do? And like, how do you do this? And, um, that's all really good stuff. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the question I'd ask, um, I guess sort of like to end out the show, um, this is sort of a good follow up question with that, but, but you know, where you have been able to kind of, um, you know, you've, you've got a lot of, you've gained a lot of experience. You've, you've got a lot of, you know, record making and songwriting and, 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 uh, touring, all that kind of stuff under your belt, you know, and you are, uh, you have this entrepreneurial kind of like running your business mind. And like, you, you've got all this stuff really buttoned up nice in a way that that's really working well for you. I can tell. And, um, and then, you know, and you built your fan base on this. Right. And, there's certain, uh, there's certain fans that you've mentioned that you've, you've been able to connect with in such a way that they, um, they help out, you know, in, in key financial ways and stuff. How do you, um, what's the, what's the key, what's the key for like, you know, somebody who maybe have less experience, right. And they're, maybe they're making their first record. Maybe they're making their second record or something. Maybe their first time they're kind of like going on tour and they're kind of like, putting all these pieces together they're they're formulating their band and their art but they're also formulating how they can make it work from a business standpoint and building a fan base. What's the key what's been sort of like the key for you and kind of like putting those things together and connecting with fans in such a way that you like build this tribe like that 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 these people you know they're they're very interested and invested in like helping you out and you have this really key, connection with these people what's kind of
2: how is there is there a so I I've thought about it before in terms of like man all the stuff I've learned over like a decade that like I have viewpoints now about music and the business that I are totally opposite of what I had six or mm -hmm. seven years ago and you know I feel like man I was such like so naive then or like such Mm -hmm. an idiot to have that some high-minded idea about blah 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 and and, you know, I, I I think, man, like if I had gone to, you know, it's like if I had just like gotten advice or sat down with like people that were more experienced, you know, 10, 20 years more experienced and, you know, gone to like workshops and music business classes, like I could have like known like so much of this stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. But then I also think about just like, but if your mind isn't in the place to receive it, then like you're not going to really believe it or mm-hmm. like take those things and implement them, and so on one hand, it kind of feels like you just kind of have to learn the long way mm-hmm. to, in terms of doing these really independent approaches to to stuff. Um, um so. I mean, I, I get it's like, so you know, on one hand, it's like, I want to tell people like, just like be like, oh yeah, if you're just starting out, like, don't be afraid of the business, like mm-hmm. like run it like a business, like create a budget and like have it, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like I say that and it's like, well, they're not really going to do it because sure. like, you know, <laughs> um, and so that seems like a silly thing to say. Um, I, I think that, um, the, probably the easiest piece of advice that I think anybody could take regardless of where they are is, um, how do I want to say it? It's that in order to do this kind of thing, which is like running your own business, and I was this probably I would get I would say this probably applies to any business if you're starting it, um, whether it's artistic in nature or not, is that like you have to um, actually um, want to do it more than anything else. Mm-hmm. It has to be your full passion, mm-hmm. and um, you're not going to be successful until you do that mm-hmm. um and that um that can mean like taking risk in terms of like put putting yourself in a lifestyle where you can have time to dedicate to your business and mm-hmm. not just doing it on the side mm-hmm. and people aren't really gonna respect you until they see that you're like doing it like a professional you're mm-hmm. out there on the road and you're like you're you're striving hard yeah. and really but the first thing that people have to do though is they have to that you know, you might be telling yourself if you're starting out like making your first record that like, yeah, I want to do music more than anything else. But it's like, no, you don't actually because like you need to you need to go and have these experiences like I'm talking about where, and and figure out whether it's like you want to do it more or you're just like yeah, it's not for me. Uh-huh. You know, like some people their first week on the road and it's like okay, they're done, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So it's just like, I would say, especially in your first year, it's just like, make no excuses to like make records in your basement. Don't worry about sending it to a record label or public or any of this stuff. Just like make stuff and play shows as much as possible. And like the one thing for me is that I spent years dilly dallying in terms of like all, like five, six years, like going back and forth, like kind of like, you know, working jobs thinking that like I was really good Mm -hmm. and you know, like, and thinking like everything is going to work out for me eventually, but like not really fully, fully committed. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like a revelation on my own where I'm like, if I want to do this, like I need, I need to just do it. And then I started just like mad hustle, you know, in 2013 up till now, constantly on the road, constantly looking for like, you know, writing down my goals, making, making a business plan, like making a budget and like being a pro about it, but also like just constantly working. And what I found through that was that all the stuff that I kind of was like, uh about it about like this part of the work or this part of like you know the business um required was that like i the more i did the more i worked the more i did it the more i loved all of it yeah Yeah. because like i was doing it for myself and i got to see like the results and the rewards Mm -hmm. and it was like yeah it was really and and then also just like the more i played you know because like if you're working you know you're working your full-time job you're going out you're playing your show on the weekend and you know some this doesn't really go that great maybe or whatever. And like you, it, you can kind of be like, kind of get burnt out and even like resentful. of This thing you create where right. you're just like, oh, I got to play the show or you got to practice right. yep, and everything. Yep. Uh, and you know, I went through that and then it was just like, well then when I started playing shows, you know, 150 shows a year. Then I was like, man, I love this more than anything. Yeah. Like the more you play, cause then it's like, then you actually start to get like good, like really good. Yeah. And then it becomes really rewarding because yeah. you're like, I'm on point, And like, this is what I've been striving for the whole time. And it realized that like the only way you're going to get there is if you do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, so. Killer, man. Awesome. That's, that's All my good advice. Stuff. Awesome. <laughs> All good
0: stuff, man. Well, that's cool. Well, um, we're out of time, so uh, I want to, um, uh, thanks again for being on the show, man. And yeah. And uh, coming through. This has been awesome. Has been, it's been really fun to, like, you know, we've been emailing for, like, I don't know, maybe a couple months now. And now to, like, sit in the room with you and get to have this conversation has been a lot of fun, man. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, man, where, uh, where can people uh, follow up? And, you know, you got the records coming out May 13th.
2: May 13th yep and where do where
0: can people you know buy it follow up with you and all all these yeah you know.
2: well christopher the conquered it's not the conqueror if you're listening conquered <laughs> it's the opposite of what you'd expect uh dot com yeah and it's and i also have to say it's not a grape and it's not a bird it's conquered <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh but yeah it's you know that you can order the record on itunes It's on amazon all that kind of stuff so, yeah. killer man awesome well, cool, man. Thanks for uh, thanks again
0: for stopping by, hanging out on the show, and um, and uh, we'll have to have you back through. Uh, we'll have to have you back through again sometime. We'll stay connected and all that. Yeah. It's cool, man.
2: I'll give you an update on my fa- all my failures between now. And then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I doubt it. I
0: I, 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 I doubt. Uh, I have a, a much more. Um, uh, I'm I'm confident that uh, it won't be so bleak. Uh, great, thanks. awesome. <laughs> Well, that's that. Thanks for uh, checking out episode 49 of The Modern Recordist. Uh, That's it for this week. Make sure you get subscribed, stay subscribed. Uh, The two main ways to do that are, uh, first of all, you can go to my website at johnstinton.com on the front page. Just put your email address right into the uh, form there, and I'll make sure that you never miss an episode. If you're more of an iTunes person, you can fire up your podcast app, or uh, iTunes on your laptop or whatever, search for The Modern Recordist and click or tap that little subscribe button. While on iTunes, make sure you take just a couple of seconds to leave a rating and review as well. Good and honest ratings and reviews. Cue other people to the value that you're getting out of the show and how much you're enjoying listening to it. Helps us to continue to make great content and bring on great guests that you can continue to enjoy and find value in. And, uh, also make sure that you, uh, that if you are getting something out of this show that you shared this with a friend or three, just drop a link in a text message or an email, or you can take the Facebook or hit tw- uh, Twitter or whatever, and just drop a link and let everybody know how much you're getting out of this show. All right, that is it for this week. There's more for you next week. And in the meantime, go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and create something impactful
1: in the world. What's the name of the town where the train stopped last night? Salt Lake or Omaha. Well, I ain't never seen a town like the one I saw on the night. Now, in this town, there's a house and a glass for something sweeter than any trumpet to tall and men. road you know it's going right down the middle yeah and on one side there's this castle but on the other there's a wood hey. and all the ladies and all the children working so hard yeah scrubbing down those walls all the leaves that grow and last night. Oh, what do they call it? Do they call it Think I can meet today, and she said, "Huh, that's alright, man. It's cool. I understand." What? You smell something coming in on the wind or something? I said, "I had this most exotic stop on the Z line last night. Oh yeah, everyone I knew, and you were there too." And she said.